0: That's going to be our our text for the next several weeks, our signs. Psalm 74, verse 9. The prophetic cry comes forth out of Psalm 74, 9 across the ages and it speaks to us today as much as it spoke to Israel in the day that this cry was made. Psalm 74, 9 says, We do not see our signs. There is no longer any prophet, and there is none among us who knows how long. How long will this go on? how long will it be that we don't see our signs, our symbols? And there's no prophet among us who can tell us how long this will continue. I want to preach a message entitled, Our Signs, because the church of the book of Acts, the church that we are, and all of the other churches that worship and love the Lord Jesus Christ here in Clearwater and throughout Pinellas County, Florida, and around the world are churches of the book of Acts. Well, the church of the book of Acts came with signs. And they were indicators that God is in the house. Somebody say amen. Amen. So we we have been given by God signs to indicate that He is among us. These signs tell the world who we are. Hallelujah. But Psalm 74, gives out this mournful lamenting at being stripped of the signs that had indicated God's presence among them. So the prophet was crying out for Israel because none of the signs, the indicators, that Israel was the unique nation of God, the planting of God, a unique people, none of those indicators were present and had been stripped from them. And without the presence of their signs, Israel was adrift in confusion. And they were in peril of losing their unique identity among the nations. And 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you, speaking of us today, not Israel in the Old Testament, but the body of Jesus Christ today, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, A people for God's own possession. I want you to mark that. If it's not marked in your Bible, you may want to mark it in your Bible. Note it in your mind. You are not only a holy nation and and a royal priesthood, but you are a people for God's own possession. So that you may show forth. Everyone say, show forth. So that you may show forth the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. So these signs not only tell the world who we are, but they tell us who we belong to. And so you can see why he was crying out. We don't see our signs. And when you don't see the signs of the Lord being in the house, after a while, you can lose sight. Not only does the world lose sight of who you are uniquely among them, but you can lose sight of who you belong to. Now, because there is no biblical evidence, no scripture anywhere, that God ever intended to change the church that was birthed in the book of Acts until He returns, then we should know that we are to remain under those signs that are in the book of Acts. The the church of Acts should remain under the signs that God put the church under when He first brought us into the world. And so the fact is that that lamentation, that outcry from from the prophet in Psalm 74, 9, that cry should be arising from God's people. You see, faith that, that the Lord is with you is wonderful to have. But what if God in eternity is looking upon you and He's saying, none of the signs that I gave my church are, are continuously evident among them. And every time God's people get disturbed about the lack of seeing those signs, they just simply turn one to another and comfort one another and say, well, just buck up and have faith. The Lord is with us. And what are the Lord saying? No, 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 no. I didn't give you faith so that you could settle for a church without signs. I gave you faith so that you could cry out to me for the signs that you're supposed to have. I don't want you to use your faith to comfort yourselves when the signs aren't there. I want you to disturb yourself when the signs aren't there. That's what your faith should be doing. Exactly what Pat said this morning. I was disturbed. And so I went and got a hold of God till God got a hold of me. And then you could hear what came out of her mouth. Signs. We need to see the signs of God being among us. Somebody say Amen. Amen. So if we don't see the signs that I'm going to be preaching to you about in the next several weeks, we should be crying out to God, Lord, we see not our signs, instead of saying, well, we're just taking it by faith. Going by faith was never intended as a way for you to survive locked away without the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. You may use faith to get through an occasional dry spot, but you shouldn't be living your life in the desert. Somebody say amen. amen. There are some signs and they belong to you and you need to lay hold of them. Number one, I'm going to share two signs with you this morning. They go together. Number one, the number one sign of the church of Jesus Christ is being filled with the Holy Spirit the first sign of the New Testament church, the first sign that that showed forth and that indicated that this was the church of God was the baptism, the outflowing of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And the Bible records the event in Acts 2, 4, and it says, and they were all, not some of them, not just the apostles, all 120 of them, if there had been 1,200, or 120,000, all would have meant all. Everyone in that room, when the Holy Ghost fell, got filled. When the Holy Ghost fell, all got filled. Somebody say, praise the Lord. The Bible says, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, to my way of thinking, if God birthed the church with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues and then quickly following with many other signs, why would we ever let ourselves be talked out of them today? Why would we ever want to continue with anything less than what we began with? Somebody say amen. The filling of the Holy Spirit was the birth sign of the church. It signified the arrival of a healthy living offspring from the Father. You know, when a child is born in the delivery room, I don't know if they still spank the poor little thing. I always felt that was kind of a rough way to come into the world, but... The cry that came out of the baby's mouth, Oh, we got a healthy baby. Praise the Lord. A successful delivery. The sign of the successful delivery of the Bride of Christ was the baptism in the Holy Ghost with speaking in other tongues. That was the cry that came out of 120 who walked into the upper room as followers of Christ and left as the church of Jesus Christ. You see, it was not a group of believers that were zealous to follow Jesus that came up with the idea of the church. The church was born. The church was birthed. The church was a supernatural impartation. The first sign that is ours is the baptism in the Holy Spirit with speaking in other tongues. Somebody say glory to God. It is the birth sign of a healthy church. At the very end of the Gospel of Luke, before Jesus ascends up into heaven, we see him standing, speaking to his disciples, his last words. In Luke 24 and verse 49, he has said to these people that have followed him for three and a half years as he's trained them, he sent them out. They've gone from village to village, from town to town, preaching the Gospel. And uh, he's told them they're going to go throughout the world sharing the Gospel. And so they're ready to go. They're excited because the one who was dead who they watched die on Calvary's cross, they're now talking to him. He's got the nail prints in his hands. He is alive. Man, they are, Just imagine how they felt. He's right there talking to them. If Jesus with nail prints in his hands who you watched die stood in front of you and said, I'm going to be with you. Go out into all the world. Would you go? Oh my goodness. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll be with you, don't worry about it. I'm thinking, if he's with me, it doesn't matter what else comes against me. What can they throw against him? He who overcame death and spit it back out in the devil's face, hallelujah, is with me. That's right. Amen. But you know what? He didn't let them all revved up on their own happiness and their zeal go out and form a church and start preaching. He said to them in Luke 24 and 49, But wait! Don't go! Wait! Go back to the upper upper room. Go up into Jerusalem, the upper room, and wait until you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Because right now you're just enthusiastic followers. But when the Holy Ghost comes, it's going to turn you into the church. Capital C, Bride of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ. You see, the church is supernatural. I've never understood people who sit down and strategize. There's nothing wrong with making plans, especially if God is in them, then they're wonderful. But just think, you know what? We're going to put a church over here and a church over there. When God's with you, man, hallelujah, go. But we understand that the church is a supernatural impartation from heaven by the Father. The birth sign was the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So he sent him to the upper room and he said, wait until you've been turned into the church through the baptism. I want a bunch of Holy Ghost filled, speaking in other tongues, prophesying. Then you're going to go and when you go, I will work through you, healing, delivering. It's going to be like I never left. So it's the birth sign. Let me tell you something else. This first sign, this all-important sign, the sign that should we should never tolerate. We should never tolerate not being filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. This sign is not only the birth sign of the church, it is the sign of continual filling. Yes, yes. This was not designed to put the church on the historic map. On the day of Pentecost, in the year The Holy Ghost fell. We've built a monument. We've identified it on the timeline. No. Jesus said, the Spirit will be in you like a river continuously flowing out unto everlasting life. You know, in the book of Acts, it wasn't just Acts chapter 2, but in Acts chapter 4, verse 31. Several days after the Holy Ghost fell, they were out preaching and they got arrested. Peter and John, and they got arrested and hauled in front of the, the, uh, the, the Jewish high council who threatened them to stop preaching. And after they'd roughed them up a little bit, th- thought they'd scared them, uh, they sent, let them go, and they got back into the prayer meeting, hallelujah, and the Bible says they started praying. Well, guess what? The Holy Ghost started being poured out Again. Again. There may be one baptism, but there's many fillings because it's a, it's a continuous thing. It says, and when they prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. Ooh, glory to God, this baby's kicking. The baby's in the crib kicking. Hallelujah. See, this baby's alive. It's not alive with human enthusiasm, alive with the power of the Holy Ghost. Because the building Shook. And it says, and they were all filled again with the Holy Ghost and spake the word of God with boldness. Now listen, the filling of the Holy Spirit launched prophetic preaching. When they were filled with the Holy Ghost, these were not just enthusiastic people who were sharing their testimony. They were filled with the Spirit. They they had utterance. They had the unction of the Holy Ghost, they were opening their mouth and declaring the wonderful works of Jesus Christ. And man, people were getting saved by the thousands. That's supernatural. That's called prophetic preaching. The reason we call it prophetic preaching is because the book of Revelation says that the spirit of prophecy is the testimony from Jesus. The spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus, which means that what prophecy really is, it's Jesus talking for himself. He may be talking through John, or he may be talking through Helen, or he may be talking through Glenn, or Kathy, or Shelby. And forgive me for leaving any of you out, but all of you. <laughs> because 1 Corinthians 14 says, You may all prophesy. God wants all of you to prophesy. As a matter of fact, 1 Corinthians 14 says, Desire especially to prophesy. The Lord wants to speak through all of you. The spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. It's Jesus talking through you. So the church was birthed in the power of the Holy Ghost so that we could be, well, this prophetic preaching began the age of the vessel and the indwelling God. You see, the age of the church is the age of the vessel and of the indwelling God. That was something new in the earth. You know, there was nothing new about believing in the Messiah, But what was new when the baptism in the Holy Spirit came was that now these followers were turned into vessels. They were now living human containers of the living God. The living God was in them and they were all excited. They were giddy about it. They were excited. It was more than human emotion. Prophetic preaching. Jesus was talking out of them. Jesus was talking through them. Every one of you that have gotten saved should expect to be filled with the Holy Spirit and you should be leaning into God for God to speak through you. He wants to prophesy His Word through you. Hallelujah. And so we live in the age of the vessel and of the indwelling God. This is the first primary number one sign of the church. We should never allow ourselves to be talked out of it. I find it interesting that Jesus' response to being set upon by all those that hate him, betrayed, arrested, and crucified, Jesus' response to being killed, being murdered, being crucified, was to fill his followers with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus' response to his church afterwards, after he rose from the dead, they started arresting his people. Jesus' response to you and I, Being persecuted was, fill us with the Holy Ghost. His response to every bit of opposition is to fill you with the Holy Ghost. The answer begins with the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The answer for God's people today, God's answer, God's answer is the sign of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Somebody say amen. It is the first and foremost sign of the church. Galatians 3 and 3 says, Having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect through the flesh? What an awful thought that we've had this glorious beginning, the day of Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And then you read through the chapters, right up through the 28th chapter of the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit is continuously filling and being poured out. These Christians in the book of Acts, they weren't leaving the baptism in the Holy Spirit behind. They got together. They were praying in tongues. They were prophesying. They were waiting on God. Stuff was happening. In fact, the activity of the Holy Spirit through his people was so normal that by the time churches started popping up, hundreds of miles away among the Gentiles in these Gentile cities, like, for example, the church at Corinth, the Corinthians They were getting together and things were just getting out of hand because, you know, human emotion being what it is, they're like, man, let's party. Woo, Jesus is Lord, hallelujah. And um, they're jumping on one another saying, my turn to prophesy. And and a little confusion was, was coming in and people were getting just a little carnal. You know, if you're going to err, I say err on the side of extravagance instead of stinginess. If you're going to be wrong, don't be wrong being stingy with the things of God. Be wrong being extravagant with the things of God. I'd rather have God uh, tamp me down a little bit <laughs> than have to be, you know, pumped up. Because it's harder to pump Nicky up <laughs> than it is to calm Nicky down. And I don't know if you're like me, but, but you think about it. That's true. So, you know, the Lord pumped the church up with the Holy Ghost and then Paul writes, he says, you know, you people in, in Galatia, you are beginning to step out of the experience of the Holy Spirit and you're starting to organize around a bunch of carnal thinking and you're losing the first sign of the church. He said, having to begun in the spirit. Do you think God has handed the church over to you? That, that now through mental ingenuity and mental intelligence, and human abilities, that that's what church is about, that's what the body of Christ is about? The obvious answer is, oh my God, no. No, no, no. God put the church under the sign of being filled with the Holy Spirit first, because under the baptism of the Holy Spirit is where God placed all the provision. Take that sign away. You've got a church without the supernatural provision God intended it to have. You're an elephant without a trunk. What in the world is an elephant without a trunk? You don't know what you don't know which ends is up. You don't know whether it's coming or going. Just get a picture of that in your mind. At least with the trunk, you know what ends the front. The second sign of the church that I want to share with you is the sign of joy. The sign of joy. Jesus had told His disciples on the night that He was betrayed um, at the Last Supper, in John chapter 16, beginning in verse 20, He said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, You shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice, and you shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. Down in verse 22, He continues and says, And you now, therefore, have sorrow, because he said to them, I'm going to be crucified. And of course, within hours of saying that, it happened. And Jesus' prophecy about them being sorrowful and lamenting and weeping certainly came to pass. And he said, Now you are sorrowful and, and you have sorrow, but I will see you again. And your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man takes from you. Joy arrived with the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. The second sign of the church, joy, arrived with the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. It was the sign that Jesus had conquered death and came back to us. Didn't he say to his disciples? He said, you're going to be sorrowful. You're going to be weeping and crying. You're going to be depressed. He said, but your sorrow will be turned into joy because I will see you again. Now, you know... 2,000 years later, long after Jesus had died and risen from the dead, I saw him and you saw him too. When he came into your heart, you saw him. You know that he is Lord. Jesus had said to Thomas, blessed are those that have not seen me in the natural like you have seen me and yet believe. Why do we believe? Well, seeing is believing. My eye of faith, my heart of love saw him. My heart saw the agape. My, 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 the eye of my understanding, saw the reality of Him. The Holy Spirit presented Jesus to me. I didn't just one day decide to believe. I was an atheist. I was doing well as an atheist, kind of. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is that, that, that joy was the sign that Jesus had conquered death and come back to them. Yes. The joy that they had was not just human happiness, It was was a joy, hallelujah, that put their joy out of the reach of anybody that would want to steal it. He said, your joy no man will be able to take from you. Human emotion. You see, if, if Jesus had let the disciples go out and run out into the world and preach the gospel once they saw that he was risen from the dead. Had he not said to them, wait until you are endued with power from on high. Wait till the Holy Ghost comes. Wait till you're baptized in the Spirit. Because when the baptism of the Spirit comes, something called joy. I know you think what joy is, but you don't know. You're about to find out what real joy is. The joy that comes from heaven. Joy that pick you up no matter how knocked down you've gotten. Joy will pick you back up again hallelujah. You wait until that joy hits you. Had Jesus not said that, they would have thought, well, we're excited. We're real. We're ecstatic. You're alive. We're happy. We'd have gone out. The first, second, third battle, they'd have been finished. They'd have been like, "Uh, I'm not feeling this so much anymore. You know, there's no matter how happy you become in the natural, you marry that gorgeous woman that just is crazy about you. You're like, "Ooh, I'm so happy. That guy, you get him to just, he worships you and mm, your path is bathed with the butter of kindness. You're so happy, give it a few months or a year. I don't know, eventually it's going to be like, oh man, oh. if I could go back in time. I, don't know. I know it's not that dramatic, but sometimes it is, you know. That's human human happiness, happiness that depends on happenings. But there's something that'll pick you up when all the happenings have gone to pieces. Hallelujah. That sign of joy was the arrival of Jesus freshly from the grave, having death and hell under his feet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And returned to you and said, Here I am, I've come to you. And so that puts your joy beyond the reach of those that would take it. Therefore, number one, the sign of joy transcends a world drained of happiness. Have you ever noticed the world is just plain drained of happiness? I watch, I'm a news junkie, not so much anymore, not so much anymore. But um I was a news junkie and and I was just i thought, why am I just watching this all the time? It's the same stuff hour after hour after day after day, and everything and I realize it's because I'm hoping it'll get better <laughs> right. I, i'm i watching thinking, yeah oh, you know they've 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 uh, somebody has proposed this, and this might happen and then it's like, oh, the fools are at it again, and the idiots are running the country and uh You know, it's it's just—it's just—you know—oh my gosh, education and and society and oh, you just get—it just gets to the point where you realize, oh my God, the Bible's right. That's right, amen. The the world is in darkness and rejected the light, rejected Jesus. It isn't gonna get better. That's right. You know, I don't know why we get our youth and get them all revved up and say, "Go out and change the world," when we know. 4,000, 6,000 years of human history, nobody's changed the world. The world hasn't changed. And we just keep sending waves of our youth into the machine gun nests of worldly, the worldly curse. It's ridiculous. Why don't you send them to Jesus and say, get filled with joy, because then it won't matter what the world does to you. Somebody say, Praise the Lord. Then it won't matter because the joy of the Lord will never let you down. You'll you'll have your feet up on solid ground. Glory to God. And so this sign of joy transcends a world drained of happiness. Tell you something else this, this sign of joy fills you, it fills the believer. In Acts chapter 13 and verse 52, they had beaten the apostles and threatened them. Don't you preach anymore in Jesus' name. And they let him go. And the Bible says in Acts 13, 52, and the disciples were, they prayed again. And it says they were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. They were filled with joy. See, joy is a substance and it fills you. It fills you, and it fills you, displacing everything else. It just pushes everything else out. I'll tell you something else about joy. The sign of joy is a renewable source, energy source. The sign of joy is a renewable energy source. There is no such thing in the natural universe as a continuous, eternal, renewable energy source. Everything eventually burns out. I mean, the sun will be drained at some point. You know, so everything on the, on the earth, there is no renewable energy source that's perpetual forever. Joy is. Yeah. Joy is eternal. An eternal, renewable energy source. Psalm 70, verse 4 says, Let all those that seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Now listen very carefully. Rejoice and be glad in you. Everyone that seeks the Lord Do you want to see Him? Do you want to find Him? If you're seeking the Lord, you want to find Him, right? So how do you find Him? Rejoice and be glad. If you want gladness to come back, rejoice. Re means do it again. Joy. Rejoice. So look, no matter where you are, no matter what circumstance you're in, rather than going crazy trying to change your circumstances, Realize that there is an eternal, renewable, divine energy source in you called joy. It arrived with the Holy Ghost. And all you have to do is rejoice. You rejoiced when you got filled. So just spend your time rejoicing. Every time you're a little low, rejoice. Amen. Get joy going again. Hallelujah. Rejoy. Rejoice, rejoice. That's why I tell people all the time stop, you know, it's okay you drag into church looking like you were half dead. It don't matter, but you don't have to stay that way. If you're a Christian, you've got the Holy Ghost and you've got joy. And I can prove it. Rejoice and watch what happens. Start rejoicing. If you would rejoice, Maybe you just came from the doctor's office. He said, you've got cancer. You've got six months to live. Anybody'd be dragging into church. How are you doing today? Well, praise, praise his holy name. The Lord is. Yeah, there you go. Well, there are some people. There are some people, no matter what, they know how to squash lemons into lemonade. Bless them just love being around. That's exactly what we need. But you know, the real answer is Jesus has made plenty of lemonade. Rejoice. Begin to praise Him. Hallelujah. It's not just that you're going to become glad, but you might become glad because the cancer gets driven out. Joy is the strength that the Lord gives. The joy of the Lord is our strength overcoming our weaknesses, turning our circumstances around. You know, another thing is that this sign of joy can be given to others. You really want to change the world? They need joy. Give them joy. You know, the Bible says in Acts chapter 8 and verse 8 that Philip went down to the city of Samaria. Now, they were some prejudiced, racist people back in the Bible. No joke. We talk about racism and say, we don't know what we're talking about. They had racism, let me tell you. And the Jews hated the Samaritans. I mean, flat out, they'd made a religion out of it. And uh, Jesus had actually preached in the city of Samaria. The woman at the well was a Samaritan. The disciples were stunned that he was even talking to her. But Philip, the evangelist, after Jesus rises from the dead, he decides to go down to the city of Samaria and preach the gospel to them. Guess what? The Bible says they received it. And you know what? The Bible says there was great joy in that city. Great joy. in See, that's what we need. We need to share Jesus because when people receive Jesus, they receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Guess what? Great joy. Hallelujah. Then all those people you think you can't get along with, you you just can't get enough of them. You can't get enough of them. You're just loving on them and hugging on them. I mean, joy has this beautiful homogenizing effect. Happy people know what they have in common. They're all happy together. People with joy, they're just happy and hugging and everything. All of a sudden, the differences that they had, they're no longer there. Joy brings people together. Somebody say amen. Well, the Bible says joy, the sign of joy, overcomes persecution. In Acts 5 and 41, they'd whip the the apostles, told them to stop preaching. The Bible says they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And you know what? They were right back at it, preaching the gospel again. That's joy. Somebody say amen. Amen. And one other thing I'll say about joy, and then we're going to pray. The sign of joy, God, I, I, if nothing else, I know why the Lord gave the sign of joy to you and I. Because life has a way of grinding you down. And, and the most positive and upbeat people can, can sometimes carry the load and, and really go a lot farther than other people, but eventually everybody just slows down and drops their their responsibilities and gives up. It's sad to see families fall apart. It's sad to see covenants that were made broken. It's sad to see love break apart and wear down, but it happens to everybody. That's why we don't condemn. We don't judge people. We don't condemn people because it is the human condition. So no matter how zealous we are, even the most zealous among us break down. And the fact is, life has a way of wearing all of us down, so I know why God gave the sign of joy. Joy is an ever-replete, replenishing, and continual energy source of the power of God. Rejoice. You can always rejoice. Paul and, and Silas were chained up to the prison walls. They had been beaten. And at midnight, midnight at least I'd be trying to catch some sleep, Midnight. Guess what they were doing? They were rejoicing. They were rejoicing. Guess what Joy did? They started rejoicing. Joy tore the jail apart. Rattled the cages open. All the prisoners were like, I could just see them all starting. to." And the Bible says their chains fell off. The jailer gets saved, his whole family. By the time the sun gets up, Not only is the jailer saved, his whole family saved, they baptized them all. I guess they probably baptized them in the creek out back or the bathtub or something. But they have got the whole family saved and baptized, and guess what? All the prisoners just voluntarily went back into their cells. That, to me, was the biggest sign of all. Because that, that guy would have been killed. They'd probably killed him, killed his family, killed his dog, killed his aunt and uncle. But his, his, he not only got saved, but God's joy moved on all the prisoners. So they said, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll go back in the cell. And they went back in the cell. I, I just think it's utterly amazing. So the, this last thing I want to say about the sign of joy is that joy has been given to us because that is the power, the force that's going to cause you to finish the race that you've begun. Joy is the strength that's gonna carry you across the finish line? Let me tell you that whether you're talking about your marriage, your ministry, your personal commitments, whatever it is that God has involved you with, your abilities, your talents, your money, everything else can run out. But joy will never run out. I said joy will never run out. Paul said in Acts chapter 20 and verse 24, as he was talking about all of the persecutions and terrible things that had happened to him, he said, after he talked about, I've been stoned a dozen times, I've been beaten, I've been uh, uh, thrown in prison, I've been shipwrecked, I've uh, almost drowned in the sea. He's going on and on and on. Isn't the ministry great? I I can just hear people reading his letters going, I'm not going to that Bible school. That's crazy. Who wants that? But Paul, after listing all those things he'd been through, Paul says, but none of these things move me. Neither count I my life as dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. Who are you going to finish your course with? The Bible says he's running around with somebody named Joy. Joy. He said, I'm going to finish my course with joy. Me and joy, we're going to get across the finish line. You might be running with Alfred, but I'm running with joy. We're going to get across this line. Somebody say, praise the Lord. He said, I don't count any of this stuff because I'm going to finish my course with joy and the ministry that I have received from the Lord Jesus Christ to testify the gospel of the grace of God. You all to succeed, be fruitful, cross the finish line as a Christian, Do it with joy. It's the second sign of the church. We should not tolerate services without joy. We should not tolerate a life without joy. We should not tolerate being without joy. We deserve to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And Jesus paid a high price so that you and I might have joy. Close your Bible and stand with me this morning. Now... My altar call this morning is very simple. You remember what I said about, by the way, I didn't see that until I got up and stepped behind the pulpit. This wasn't something I had prepared. I saw that pile of just articles, broken yokes and dirty clothes and just various things that represented heavinesses and drags upon our life. Um, It wasn't until I got up and began getting ready to preach that, that I just stopped and I was watching in the Spirit and the Lord showed me. So we come back to that now. And the altar call is very simple this morning. If you want those first two signs to move in your life, if you would say this morning, I want, I need, and I have received and I want to receive and continue to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit and joy. Remember, it's a continuous filling. So don't don't say, well, I I received joy. Well, you need to rejoice. (laughs) You need to re-joice. So if you're here this morning as a believer, or if you're not saved, but you want Jesus. See, you get Jesus, you get all this. It's just boom, the Lord will just give it to you. Hallelujah. But you want these two signs over your life, I just want you to come down to the front. Now, I don't want you to just (laughs) shuffle down all polite and, you know, crowd down here. Come. If you've got to run, roll, whatever, just get out of wherever you're at. If you want these signs in your life, I want you to come. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Let everything that has breath magnify the name of the Lord. I know I said there was a pile of stuff. Don't, don't take that totally. You go ahead and stand there. <laughs> yeah, you, you, yeah, you're not going to disturb the pile. Just go ahead. You want those two signs in your life. I want you to come. Just, just crowd in. There you go. There you go, ladies. Hallelujah. Glenn, good. Punch a hole. That's it. Woo. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You want that sign of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You need that joy. We're just going to pray en masse. That means all together for everybody. The Bible says Jesus baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. Now, do we have anybody here that's come down... And you want the baptism of the Holy Spirit that you would say, I don't think I've ever really been baptized with the Holy Spirit, and I know I've never spoken in other tongues. Um, anybody would say that with a hand up? Glory to God. Anybody else? On? Pat, I'm assuming you're just praising the Lord. You're not putting your hand up. And... Okay, that's good. Feel, just carry on, Pat. Hallelujah. All right, good. So we've got to... Those that said, I, I haven't. I don't think I've received the The Holy Spirit with speaking in other tongues. Put your hand up one more time. Terry Burchard, where are you? Get up here, Terry. Glory to God. Terry, I want you to look at who's, put your hands up again. All right. Those of you with your hands up, I want you to get in this inner circle right here.